everyone, and welcome. This is episode 270 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Network. I am James, joined by Ryan and Paul after taking a week off. Uh, not a lot going on in the baseball world, so we skipped a week here. And uh, as, as we did, it, it turned out, you know, the, the baseball broadcasting as we know it may have shifted. We're going to talk a lot about uh, that. But first, uh, how are you guys doing? Ryan, I, I hear you spent a lot of time uh, watching movies this weekend. Would you like to share? <laughs> yeah. We, uh, yeah. Amy and I kind of foolishly decided to start watching uh, The Lord of the Rings last night. and Just uh, randomly. Just, just kind of randomly. No yeah. All. Like dug into the Fellowship of the Ring, watched that last night, went to bed. And we woke up this morning and kind of had the like conversation and we're like, okay, so are we going to do this? Because we knew if we started the two towers <laughs> today, we would just end up finishing it. And uh, so we, we did. So we uh, we started it in the morning and then we went out and did some, uh, we had to, to clear out some potential ice dams, some of that going on. If you, uh, if you live in the Milwaukee area, check your roofs because it's perfect ice damming conditions at the moment. So mm-hmm. we had some potentially maybe going to start up. So we spent some time outside doing that. We cleaned out the refrigerator and then we dug back in for Return of the King. So I had a very orc filled weekend is <laughs> what, what the deal was for me. So I never got into that series and I've, I've tried and I just can't do it. It's just too much time. My mind wanders too much. I can't sit there for three hours a pop and do it. I don't know how you did that. Well, it was, well, first off, it helps to not have kids and it's been 20 I years. Mean, so of course. yeah. Okay. Like if you had kids, I think that would be kind of impossible until they reached the age where it was cool for them to watch it. So, all true. Um, I I would never watch those all the way through. That's too much. I would. No. Uh, I'm 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 out on that, especially the director's cuts. And I don't editing is yeah good. <laughs> Ed, editing <laughs> is important. I think the <laughs> Hobbit the Hobbit movie showed us just how important it is. But uh, uh, th- those are they are great. Um, I, I watch the second one all the time. Yeah, we were really amused at the fact that uh, the first two movies were both two hours and 59 minutes exactly. Yeah. So clearly somebody had decided, we're going to cut this under three hours to not scare theaters and moviegoers away from them. And then the third one, they're like, to hell with it. And it was like three and a half hours. <laughs> I can't even imagine what the director's cut. I didn't look. Because oh the director's God. cuts were like four hours for each of the first two. I didn't even look at the third one. I bet you it's like five hours. It's got to be just forever. That's too much. That's just too much movie. Everybody needs an editor, in, including us. So, yeah, it. God bless you and, and your orc-filled weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I could not do that at all. I guess this is what happens when you're in the off week waiting for the Super Bowl next week, right? You, you got to fill it with orcs or whatever. It so. was rough. Like, the all the NFL stuff this week was terrible. And um, <laughs> th- there there were not, like, there were a couple of good NBA games. and But, like, I was, I was actually out yesterday um we had babysitting hooray thanks mom and uh the the warriors game was on while we were waiting at the bar to get seated and like we saw steph get hurt and like so my one experience watching sports this weekend was watching like (laughs) the best or second best or whatever steph curry is now in the nba like get hurt immediately upon me turning it on so uh whatever is what it is better next weekend yeah yeah i watched or attempted to watch the the Badgers basketball game on Sunday afternoon. And you know what? I think I'd rather watch Lord of the Rings all the it's way like through. Wa- it's like watching a wall. Yeah, exactly. It, it was it be their City. motto for the season. It was it was not great. Uh that team is is rough 
it's bad. I'm pretty sure the entire Big Ten sucks. Uh, Purdue's, <laughs> Purdue's going to get bounced in the second round. It's fine. Um, yeah, not a great sports weekend, but we're here to talk about things looking ahead. You know, spring training's almost here. Trucks are on their way, so... There's that. And we've got a lot of questions to answer this week. And a reminder, you can get question priority when you become a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate for just two bucks a month. You get that question priority, both on this podcast and on as reporting as eligible five bucks a month gets you that question priority, plus some additional exclusive content, including the minor league extra with Ryan and James Anderson from RotoWire. And we just recorded one this week and it is available for patrons uh we mostly talked about the uh the release of all the top 100s we kept kind of vague didn't want to get step on any proprietary toes here but we uh we talked basically kind of who was on these lists and who wasn't on these lists and then of course as soon as we record it the espn list comes out and that did have bryce terang on it so bryce terang was on the list so uh he he finally made one of the the top 100s so yeah if you want to uh Want to give that a listen? We kind of got into that. Next month, we're going to do our own top tens. So that's that's what's on tap for next month. So no time like now to uh, to get signed up for that. <laughs> cool. And be signed up for for Aaron Rodgers' watch underway oh as boy. it is oh every boy. year, every single week. Uh, although now that Tom Brady retired, we're we're pretty confident that Rodgers is coming back one way or another. Right, He's coming so, back, but uh, yeah. it, it's uh, the trade is looking ever more likely. The Raiders are the hot ones right now, but uh, I, I think the the Jets and Raiders will be played off each other quite a bit over the next month or so. I am more than happy to let two franchises with the um, reputations that the Jets and the Raiders have play off each other and and ramp up the stupidity. I'm absolutely. All right, well, we'll have to see what happens there. Paul and the, the reporting as eligible gang will get together if or when something happens there. Uh, looking ahead to the Super Bowl <laughs> this weekend, too. I actually kind of like the Eagles, but uh, I'll probably be wrong, and we'll see what happens there. I like the Eagles, but it's uh, I would not wager money on the Super Bowl. No. They're both very good. I could see either team really winning it. Um, one thing that I see ignored by even, even nerds um, is the fact that Kansas City's defense isn't good. Um, the Eagles have a good defense, and I've seen a lot of. Are they really good? They played a really easy schedule, which is true. They did, but like Kansas City's, just, like their offense is good, but their defense hasn't been good all year. It's just Patrick Mahomes is an alien who can outscore everybody, um, and this will be the, the toughest pass defense they've faced all year. So I think the Eagles will score plenty of points, and that's uh, uh that should keep them in this thing and hopefully get it done for them. Yeah, just rooting for a fun one this go around. Yep. I have no rooting yeah, against interest. Just, uh, so yeah. You know. The Kelsey Bowl, the Andy Reid revenge game, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, should be a good one. All right. Uh, baseball, though. As I mentioned, spring training right around the corner. We're in February already, which is kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from pitchers and catchers. And actually, one of the big topics in the baseball world in the last week is the, I guess, impending collapse of Valley Sports and what it means for the teams that have broadcast deals with them, including the Brewers. I know there was some talk that the Cardinals somehow could be the team most affected if the checks from Bally don't come in. Uh, I will not cry many tears about that, but there are still a lot of questions about what this could mean for fans going forward. Uh, you know, this this is a very complicated issue, frankly, probably over a lot of our heads, but, you know, uh, bankruptcy law. Paul, you're a lawyer. <laughs> uh, so this is where we do some lawyering. Uh, can you yeah. just kind of give us a, a quick and dirty summary, I guess, of what's happening here? Yes, yes, I can, I, I suppose. So 
first of all, read read the articles out there because they're better than I am on this. But um, Rob Maines is going to respect this. Um, but th- this is this is the kind of bankruptcy where um, operations will continue. This is going to be a Chapter Eleven restructuring. And so the important things to know about this kind of thing and all ba- all bankruptcy law. Here's quick bankruptcy 101. Um, there's an order at which the money that's that is there existing and still coming in when a company goes into bankruptcy is distributed. And um, it goes first to attorneys. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it, employees that are kept on second. There are some rules around that. Um, it, people like to when there, whenever there's a bankruptcy, people like to scam bankruptcies um, and try and like fit people into higher uh, areas. There's rules about that. Doing that, um, that is fraud if you try and do that. One of the ways of doing that is to move people into the employee role that weren't there before. Can't do that kind of thing. But for legitimate employees, they're next. And then uh, people who hold debts, bondholders are after that. Uh, people that are last, importantly, are um, our stockholders, our owners. Owners get short shrift in bankruptcy. And um, any any customers that should be getting stuff, business operations uh, often cease, payments cease while restructuring occurs. And so that's it in a nutshell. Um, the important things being there that so often in Chapter 11, uh, in this kind of bankruptcy, operations continue while people try to get their debt in order, cut some costs and do things like that. Um, but payments, to the extent they're still due, to various teams will likely be delayed or cut or stopped for some undetermined amount of time while they get their house in order. Um, And that's, I think, one of the big unknowns still for us is just how much less money the teams are going to take in from this contract. Um, And it's likely to be kind of significant, I think, for one thing. Um, I don't think, I don't think, uh, Valleys has a lot of revenue, but, uh, I don't think that there's a lot left over after their expenses to be shuttling off to teams at this point. That's the impression that I get. Um, but that, that we don't really know that for sure. Um, but uh, I do think this will be a significant hit to teams that are reliant or that get a substantial amount of revenue from their RSN TV deals, uh, at least for the foreseeable future until things shift around and new deals are signed and people get new distribution. So um, it matters. It's not going to, in all likelihood, you'll still be able to watch games. Um, stuff will still be broadcast one way or another. Um, but uh, I would say the more that you get from your RSN, the harder hit you're going to be to some extent, uh, which is uh, the Brewers are kind of a double edged, not double edged sword. I don't know what to call it. Um, ironically, maybe not as bad off as some other teams are um, because it's <laughs> mm-hmm. not like they're really an, an attendance driven team to a large extent. And, you know, the big national shared revenue, their RSNs always kind of sucked. And uh, that might yeah. actually help them a little bit here. Yeah. The number I heard on that was 36 million. And that was what was negotiated like during the pandemic because they had a 10 year deal that had basically they had missed the the TV bubble. And renegotiated at like the worst possible time to do that. So, yep. Yeah. Um, but just to Paul's point here about their money, um, Ben Clement's article in Fangraphs is really good about this. He talks about the fact that um, what they have is them taking in $2.145 billion in gross revenue in the first nine months of last year and have another $600 million in cash on hand. And they reportedly pay about $2 billion a year in rights fees. So, 
they're not hugely underwater here. This is not a situation where like things are completely in bad shape. Mostly what this is, and I, you didn't get into this, Paul, but a, a big part of what this is, is that Sinclair, uh, the parent company of Diamond Sports, who owns Bally's, went into Hawk to do this. They, when they bought this in 2019, they went into and accru- accrued a huge amount of debt to mm-hmm. buy these things off of Fox Sports mm-hmm. when Fox Sports was forced to sell them. And that was because the federal government basically said, hey, Disney, when they bought out Fox, when they bought 20th Century Fox, they said, you can't have this much power in the market, yep. which is rare. Like, that doesn't happen that much anymore. But in this case, it did. And so that's why they were forced to sell this off. And Sinclair were the ones who stepped up and did it. But to do it, they incurred a lot of debt. And because of that debt, their debt service here is what's really driving this more so than like the unprofitability of this. He, both he and the article Paul cited, Rob Maines, talked extensively about that, that like it's still basically a profitable business to do this, even with all the cord cutting, even with all of the problems here, just because owning this much sports, which is the last bastion of live watch TV is an incredibly valuable thing to have in this day and age. And when you're talking about, you know, because these, these uh, uh, TV stations are all controlling MLB games and uh, uh, NBA and NHL. Yep. You're talking about a huge inventory of games here. I mean, in the case of MLB, obviously, you know, 162 a year, but even for hockey, hockey and uh, the NBA are both 82, right? So you're talking yep. about a huge, huge inventory of of TV here, and it is valuable. And so, like, the, the main problem here is just the fact that Sinclair went into such deep debt to do this thing, and... So, yeah, that's really kind of the 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 main thing. But I 100% agree with Paul here that, like, I'm not worried about the broadcast stopping. I think that's very, very unlikely, especially in the yep. near future. Uh, mainly because nobody wants them to stop. There are some instances of bankruptcies um, that are fairly common where the goal of the company acquisition in the first place was eventually bankruptcy and the the conversion of assets in into debt relief like that that's that's sort of the Toys R Us model on a leverage sure. buyout along those say, lines yeah mm-hmm. those this, this, it, stores, I think it's yeah. important to, to point out this isn't that I think I probably mentioned the Toys R Us buyout once in a while on here because it's a good example of uh, venture capitalism just being evil um, this is not that because there's not an end game where the purchasers make out like bandits um you know not that any executives ever going to go broke on anything like this but there's not like a big real estate contingent or anything asset wise other than um, the right to broadcast games and if you don't broadcast the games you don't get any money so um this is i I think this deal was undertaken with the uh, the idea of making money by broadcasting games and nobody's going to stop that as long as money keeps coming in they're just going to try and make it more profitable through cutting some more stuff. One of the problems, I think, and this is mentioned in both of those articles as well, is that we've all watched Bally broadcasts over time, and I think we can all tell there's not a lot to cut on these. You know, um, <laughs> they're, they're not running very well. They're not polished. That they, It's very like bare bones, yeah. Using old equipment sometimes. Like, there's not a lot they can do here. I'm not sure how much restructuring is going to help other than just um, maybe cutting down rates and, and bond rates and things like that. But uh, 
but everybody will want to make this work as much as possible or get the rights into the hands of somebody who can make it work. So broadcasts will likely happen if for no other reason than just that. There's no money if they're not going on. Right. All right. Well, on that note, we've got a bunch of Patreon questions about this. Uh, let's start with Mark Podscarby, who's asking, with the report coming out about Sinclair preparing to declare bankruptcy, how would this affect the Brewers and the Bucks in terms of payroll and ability to watch games? It seems logical with less money coming in that our teams would likely spend less to compete. So you guys already touched on the, the um, you know, whether it would affect the broadcast. We don't think so much. But in terms of payroll and, uh, you know, being able to use that revenue coming in, if those checks stop, Ryan, what does that do? Yeah, so that is still a big open question as to if those checks will stop, if they'll be delayed. Nobody really knows at this point. So I think there has to be at least some level of caution about that, that like the amount of money that's flowing here may not be exactly what they on paper thought they were going to have. Yeah. But and this is a direct quote from what uh, from the Fangraphs article by uh, Ben Clements here. And he says teams will likely use the potential of missed rights payments to talk down spending, but it's not clear whether any payments will actually be missed. It's certainly possible, but given the amount of cash DSG already has on hand and the expected carriage fees they collect, they could almost certainly meet all their rights obligations this year. They took in, uh, yeah, and then he goes into the numbers that I actually just cited. So that really kind of sums it up. I think that there are going to be teams that are going to be more cautious here. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Brewers are one of them or if part of their offseason strategizing here was to run a leaner payroll because they aren't sure of what that is. But you have to be skeptical that they need to do that. I think that this is more yep. would be more a case of uh, taking advantage of any possible way to, to say you need to uh, hamper your payroll as opposed to actually needing to do it. We don't yep. know because the books aren't open, but... Color me skeptical on that. Agreed. And I actually agree with Ben Clemens uh, a lot there. Um, I do think that several teams, and likely the Brewers too, will will take it as a reason to run leaner and excuse any non-spending that they want to do. Uh, the more I look at the Brewers' offseason, the more I'm kind of thinking they might mostly set it out just because it was a big spending season from the Mets and others, and it's not efficient to buy in that market. And now they have a perfectly valid reason, or at least valid sounding reason, <laughs> to be even cheaper. And, you know, so be it. that they, they might just lean into that. I probably would if I was in charge of them and a baseball owner and not having my brain. Um, so <laughs> uh, that's that seems pretty likely. And that's... You know, that's how these things kind of go sometimes when times get leaner or inflation is happening. Um, you'll see arguments from both sides of the political spectrum on this all the time that it's corporate greed or it's macro factors. It's actually both. That's how it works is um, it's, at one point um, the company says, says, OK, we see this coming. We got to do this to preserve our profits. And it works for a while. But eventually those macro factors do catch up. Like the brewers are physically going to get less money in some capacity out of this. That's just true. And uh, that will impact them at some point, unless there's some kind of miracle out of bankruptcy or baseball suddenly becomes like 10 times, like the NFL just like dies for some reason, then sure. <laughs> but uh, that's not going to happen. So yeah. um, that's that's probably what will happen. I think this will be a lean season for the brewers, at least at least for the foreseeable future. All right. Well, on that note, Jay Google is asking, did the Brewers know Bellies was going to collapse and that made them not spend as much? And how does the deal 
going forward hurt them if Bally's is bankrupt? Could they be in a better situation now if like Amazon comes in and buys all the Bally's and streams them on Amazon? Also, how would money be distributed amongst teams? Would it even be an even split or would bigger markets get more money? There's a lot of questions there. There and, are. Uh, <laughs> the, the answers are pretty complicated. So um, first of all, Amazon, let, let's just use them as an example, but you could substitute Netflix or any of the big ones in here as well. Um, it would be money for baseball, but it's a problem. Uh, the RSN um, blow up here is a bigger problem than just the RSN blow up because baseball's key demographic the people that watch games mostly are are older this skews older uh, and this is a similar to the the sort of news problem uh if you're on amazon most people will find you most we all know what amazon is um but my parents won't necessarily they will they're they're savvy if mom's listening so i know you know what amazon is but um <laughs> a, a lot you know a lot of older people don't stream stuff it's I not mean, ubiquitous there Think of um, all the people who freak out when the Brewers are on YouTube exactly. or like the Apple TV Friday games. It was a huge pain in the ass for people. Yeah, so it's not as lucrative. And the way that those RSNs work is essentially stealing money from the other chunks of cable to fund them. Like uh, <laughs> That's just true. When you get down to just paying for the sport with nothing bundled into it, it's not as valuable. It's more valuable as a package than it is as a solo, and it's more valuable on cable or broadcast than it is on Amazon or Netflix. And so um, that's a problem. And in terms of distribution to teams, nobody knows because it hasn't been negotiated. It would probably look a lot like the big national contracts do, which is pretty equitable, but there's no guarantees of that. It depends on how the owners are negotiating amongst themselves at any given moment. And it is very possible that a team that is driving less traffic to Amazon, which is much easier to track in an online world versus Nielsen ratings, is going to get uh, a, a, a smaller market's going to get less money. That is possible. But we don't know because it hasn't happened yet. Well, so there's a couple things going on here, too. We need to understand, first off, MLB already has a direct-to-consumer streaming service that works really pretty well, except for the fact that so many of the games are blacked out. And <laughs> if they are going to do, and there has been all kinds of noise about this, so let's acknowledge there's been all kinds of noise about MLB either partnering with or flat out buying out the rights here, somehow getting a hold of the rights to these 14 teams back, maybe going into a partnership with the NHL. That has also been mentioned. There are all these rumors swirling around about things that could happen. But it is worth noting that since MLB already has MLB TV, it is quite possible that you could see a direct-to-consumer model here for these 14 teams just get kind of lumped into uh, the, uh, the MLB TV app. And this could be a potential for like heading in that direction generally where MLB is going to get a lot more control. And there has there was a report. I'm sorry, I can't cite it. I've been trying to find it all day, but I there was a report that if MLB does do this, their inclination is to be more of a NFL model. They would like to start spreading this stuff more evenly around as opposed to the current baseball model, which is teams get what they generate from these things. So I think there is a will in the MLB front offices to do that. But of course, that is all dependent on 
the, you know, what the owners want because the owners are ultimately their masters as far as this goes. Like, so the internal politicking of that, how much revenue sharing is going to go, because you know, as soon as you start hearing something like this, they're going to start complaining and saying, well, you know, Bob Nutting is, is already pocketing all of our revenue sharing. Why should we give him even more revenue to just mm -hmm. pocket? Right? Like that. Yeah. That's what would happen. That's correct. And so there, it does open up all kinds of things, but this, I think inevitably over the long arc of history here, we're going to be more direct to consumer on this stuff. MLB is heading in that model. There's going to be all kinds of fits and starts, but this seems like a pretty convenient way to have a pretty big movement in that direction. Doesn't it? Like this seems like yeah. a, a good, a good crux for something like that to happen or an impetus for it to happen. Yeah. I think it's inevitable that the cable bundling model, is going to end. It, it just is. It's becoming unsustainable and more so every week. I think the problem is just you're not going to generate as much revenue, at least right away, um, under the MLB um, you know, direct broadcast model. You're just not. You're going to become very niche instead of widespread pretty quickly. And that is going to be revenue that's not there. So it is, it's a problem that needs to be overcome that sort of everybody's facing. And just to go back to his first question, which this one made me smile. Did the Brewers know that Bally's was going to collapse <laughs> and that made them not spend as much? As much as like you people might want to say that, it seems unlikely. But then I've always had this question nagging at the back of my mind about how the Brewers, they cut back their payroll a lot from 2019 to 2020. And that was the winter that COVID started and then really you know ramped up. And because the Brewers were such a late spending team... And because in that era, especially like the year before, they did all their spending late. They did it in, in January and had actually been doing most of their main moves in late January and into February. And by that point, it was pretty clear that COVID was going to be a huge disaster. It was going to be a big problem. And so you, I, I've always wondered if part of the Brewers' plan was they were going to spend and then decided not to spend because you know, COVID was, was looming as they got into the point where they were going to spend. So I have always personally wondered that. Um, but there's no proof. There's no any sort of thing. And I, I would generally be pretty skeptical that like they have some big master plan here. But I also don't think it takes a lot for like the Stearns Arnold management group to be cautious with spending. I think that's their general. They they have generally been very cautious about that stuff. Maybe even more cautious than Mark. Honestly, if some of the reports that are out there are true. It's uh, definitely a chicken or the egg situation, right? All right. Uh, Steve DeRozier, next question about Bally's, asking, could MLB teams impacted by Bally's form a co-op to negotiate a bundled contract with another carrier? The carrier could then market advertising across the entire group of broadcasts rather than or to supplement the regional advertising. This could generate greater income, making the overall contract more valuable to the carrier and the teams. Perhaps that's how the Bally contract worked already. Uh I guess thoughts on that, Paul, is probably is that not. A, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, the main reason being that they don't have the rights right now um, and to acquire them, they would have to buy them. And it's much easier for all of baseball to buy them than for a smattering of teams to buy them. Uh, it's, I guess it's theoretical that like one team or the existing conglomerates uh, that have those contracts could buy out their individual rights. That's something that could happen, but probably not. Like the most likely scenario here is either all of baseball does it or there's eventually a transfer approved by bankruptcy court to another major carrier. But uh, 
as fun as that would be, it's just very unlikely that a group of teams get together to work out um, something like that without the rest of baseball being a part of it. Very unlikely. Yeah, going back to that Ben Clements article, again, a direct quote. In a year or two, Bally Sports will likely show up in your living room under a different name. It might show up under a different guise entirely. Maybe it will function primarily as a streaming service or be owned by a large media network or a completely independent company. Maybe it'll be an MLB, NHL, Big Tech partnership. We have no idea what the future holds here, but what we do know is that it won't be Sinclair running it anymore because of the financial tomfoolery that they got up to. So I thought that was a pretty good summary of like just where this is headed. Like they they screwed the pooch on this and they're going to take something like a billion dollar loss. But the value of the thing that they they were fooling around with in the first place is strong enough that it shouldn't. It, th- there's every incentive for ev- for this to get figured out and for the, the money spigot to keep going because broadcasting these games is profitable. It, it just isn't maybe as profitable as they needed to be based on the ledge they climbed out on. Mm-hmm. It was always seen as like a risky deal at the start, too. I think I remember that when it was announced. Mm-hmm. It was like, Ugh. seems like a bad investment at that point, because as you guys mentioned, the bubble had kind of burst. But yeah. uh, it, the valuable product, right, as we've talked about, is is live sports. It's the one thing people still tune into live TV for. So uh, you could definitely see why it was a worthwhile gamble on their part, even if it's not paying off. Well, the problem was the debt they took on to do it. That was right. That was the problem. They, they went out money. Yeah. Right. They needed to they needed to be it to be more profitable than it yep. e- even already profitable business was to be able to handle the debt service and all the other things that are going on here. And it wasn't. So oops. Over leverage is always the problem Mm -hmm. on any deal that goes bad. Yeah, without getting too in the weeds on TV broadcasting, like Sinclair owned a bunch of regional TV stations, local news stations. They weren't at that level to be messing around with that kind of stuff, and they did it anyway. But all right, Uh, next question. You're either a smart fella or a fart smella, asking, with the explosion in salaries lately, does the electric extension all of a sudden look less bad provided he remains a two-ish war player on average for the next four or five years semi-related will the bally mess result in extra buyers remorse among teams that have been handing out these massive deals or will it not end up having too much of an effect overall on income or money available for payroll so i mean for the mets probably not a big deal because steve because cohen's stupid rich and they have their own network but uh paul i guess how about some of the others so it'll it'll have an impact on some. I don't think you'll see too much buyer's remorse amongst the contracts that were handed out on this last go-around, though. Most of them were funded by owners just wanting to go in on this kind of stuff. There's not a lot of big contracts being handed out by teams reliant on their, their Bally's contract uh, in this last offseason. Um, in, in fact, like if you're Steve Cohen, you're probably like, this is great. This just wipes out a bunch of people who could potentially compete with me um, for winning a bunch of championships. So I, I don't really see, think you'll see a ton of buyer's remorse um, from anybody that gave out big contracts this last go around. Just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you'll you'll see teams, you'll see owners and teams be like, "Oh, this hurts us." Blah blah blah. This is a sign of the times, and we're going to get leaner. But nobody will actually care. Um, and Yelich, I mean, the deal was always like this. Whenever those big deals come out, we always look down the road and are like. Uh, in four or five years, it won't look so bad. Inflation will happen. Bigger deals will happen. It'll be okay. Um, it, it's going to get more palatable. Yeah, it's still not great. It would be better if he was a better player, um, but it's not 
Yeah, it's not great, but yeah, it, as time goes on, if he stays two-ish, it, big, big if, but if he stays two-ish, it's fine. Yeah, that's the fear here. As Where it stands right now, it is not a problem. They They got plenty out of him last year to at least somewhat justify that contract it's not ideal but it's also far from a disaster like it it works it's fine the problem is is if you start getting underwater with with war if he starts missing a ton of time and you're just not getting anything out of him that's like, when it becomes more of an issue there's not a lot of tools left there either like i know his base running is still good but the defense isn't and the power is not there and um mm-hmm. like I'm actually surprised he is still good at running bases and stealing bases like if efficiently. It seems like he those legs could go at any minute and then you got big problems if that happens. So, yeah, it's it's fine now, but I would not bet on him aging particularly well over the next 4 to 5 seasons. Yeah. So that's taking like the question at face value there, that's the the big thing. As for the other stuff, we've already really talked about a bunch of that. Um but I will say that I think that Teams this winter are probably there's going to be regret for some of these, especially the length of some of these deals being handed out is frankly sort of insane. Like what <laughs> the Padres did with Xander Bogarts was that an 11 year deal for a 30 year old shortstop. Like, I mean, that's going to go bad real quickly. <laughs> I mean, they might regret that one, but not because the ba- the bellies went bankrupt. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they are a bellies team, but mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, yeah. That that's exactly what I was going to get to, Paul, is that they're going to regret it, but not because of just of this bellies thing that happened. Frankly, by the time it becomes more of a problem, the ba- this should all be in the rearview mirror. The problem in the, the bellies thing is more of a short-term issue rather than a long-term issue because – I think the the product is still profitable enough that it it should still be okay. And I think the Brewers probably uh, Rob Mans talked about how this really presents an opportunity. I think the Brewers are going to end up coming out of this thing better off than they went into it, in that they're going to get to share more revenue from other teams' local TV contracts than they were already. I think that that is very likely. I agree with you on that. Once this gets renegotiated in a national type of way, I mean, their deals, they had the worst deal. And almost it's almost a guarantee that anything they get after the fact will be better than their, what their deal was. So that's pretty likely, unless just the whole deal is much smaller than we expect it to be. But I don't think it will be. All right. Before we move on from this topic, one Twitter question on Bally's before we get to the other Patreon questions comes from Cyber Clerk uh, asking, with the Bally mess, do you see the Brewers getting any sort of quote unquote big media deal to help inject more cash into this team? Any deal we could actually see the Brewers push that uh, $190 million payhole payroll threshold short term this mess sucks but long term what opportunities like this open so this is kind of what you guys were hinting at right yeah i kind of actually jumped the gun on this i didn't (laughs) reread that question i should have because yeah basically just see what i said before uh i don't think this is going to push them up to that point anytime in the, the near future but i think it it will potentially create opportunities down the road for them uh once this mess does get sorted out yeah, I think they'll end up with more. I don't think we can put a, a figure to their spending based on what this will turn into. Um, but I do think they'll probably end up better in the the grand scheme of things, too. All 
All right. That'll do it for the boring business talk this week. Let's talk some <laughs> baseball things as we head to spring training. Uh, next Patreon question. It comes from Price Trozen asking, the bullpen is starting to get crowded with some nice pitchers. Who's an under-the-radar guy in the group that you'd like to see get some regular season innings? Ryan, I know you're a fan of some of the guys that they brought in. Anybody catch your eye so far? Yeah. Um, here's a name for you. Gus Varland is the guy that they brought over in the uh, – the rule five draft from the LA Dodgers because they just couldn't hold on to all their guys. And he seems like he's a guy that could very easily hit the ground running uh, in camp. And I think they should be able to get a pretty good idea early in camp. If he is a guy they're going to want to keep on their roster, at least to open the season. Remember when you have a 40 man or sorry, when you have a guy in the, taken in the rule five, they have to stay on the 40 man all year and you can play some games with the, the IL with guys like this, as the Brewers did with, say, Wee Chung Wang. But to retain rights and get full rights to that player, they have to be on the the on the uh, active roster for a minimum number of days. I think it's something around 100, so like 100 of the 170 days. But honestly, if Varland is kept, I would think it would be because Varland looks good enough and is ready to step in and at least be a middle reliever, a solid middle reliever for them. Um, big potential ground ball guy here uh, as far as, as these things go. So, yeah, Gus Varland is a guy that I would keep an eye on in camp because they'll need to make that decision, obviously, before the close of camp, whether or not they're going to hold on to him. I got What's, nothing to add. Jackson no. Junk, just for irony. That's yes. <laughs> we love some Jackson Junk. Yeah, that'd be great. Or, yeah, Jansen. I think I Jansen. put an X in, Jansen, I put an X in there that didn't believe, belong. But yes, Jansen Junk. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's Junk anyway, so maybe we don't need the first name. I just want to know what the uh, Gus Varland equivalent of Wei Chung Wednesdays is going to be, because that was a fun period in Brewers history. All right, uh, PJ Wessels asking, with the Sheets 2 Walk of Fame announcement coming this week, where does he rank in your Brewers pitcher history? Do you have any favorite memories? <laughs> um, admittedly, Ben Sheets is probably my favorite Brewer of all time, so number one for me, but I'm also too young to remember anybody who pitched in the 80s, so sorry. Uh, but Sheets is up there for me, and I guess my favorite memory, uh, if any of you remember BrewerFan.net, the message boards back in the day when he was throwing that uh, potential no-hitter against the the Angels super late night, and nobody wanted to say he was throwing a no-hitter, so they just talked about cheese sandwiches all night. It was epic in a very like 2006 way. I'm very old now. Uh, but that's my favorite Ben Cheese memory is when he almost threw a no-hitter against the Angels. Uh, I think while well, the Brewers were probably also getting no-hit. It was a really low-scoring game that went extra innings. It was it was peak mid-2000s Brewers. I remember watching that game with my dad. I was student teaching at the time. That was during the 2004 season. That was during that run. Oh, wow. 2004 even. Yeah, yeah it was. It so I remember that, watching yeah. it. I was I was at home. Because uh, I was I was in the area for my for my student teaching and yeah that one is is high up there on the memories I would say like on the field as far as those things go uh, the 18 strikeout game would be a big one obviously I think that's kind yep. of you know for a lot of people off the field my favorite one is my, one of my favorite quotes of all time. Um, which is morphed in our household and is still used or version of it is still used. Um, the man weight comment. Do you remember the man weight comment? 
Uh, vaguely. When he always he, had weight issues, yeah. He Well, he was talking about going down to the minor leagues on a rehab start. This must have been 2006-ish. And he goes down to the minor leagues, and uh, he talked about being unable to find a belt that fit, that he needed to like <laughs> put an extra hole in a belt because those kids down there, they haven't got their man weight yet. So... <laughs> So that's the thing. Yeah, would we had uh, yes. yeah, our cat had a little bit of a paunch and we would call it his cat weight. So that was uh <laughs> yeah, that that lived on for a long time. I love, love, love that. Um and also I think it is really super, super important to just remember that uh Ben Sheets basically gave up his career and tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars shredding his shoulder to try to pitch the Brewers into the postseason in two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like he yeah. absolutely, when he was done with that last outing, he sat there, I think with a beer in hand and said, like, I gave everything That's I it. had, like, that yep. was it. I, I, I'm done. And he knew like that shoulder was gone at that point. He had shredded his, I think it was the labrum and that was it. Yeah. And he did, he did pick up, I think a one year, like come in and let's see what you've got contract from Oakland. But mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he was that essentially was it for him. He he gave everything he had to the Brewers to try to get us over that hump. And I I really wish there was less rancor directed at him in at the time. I think it's that's largely gone away now. Um, but there was a lot of rancor directed at him at the time, and I think yeah. that was uh was unfortunate. Yeah, that's dumb. That's stupid. <laughs> why, why would you why would you do that? Yeah, it, the the whole the, those are the two I would say too. The near no-no in the 18th strikeout, especially. Um, his 2004 season was incredibly good for a team that that's lost 94 games, almost impossibly so. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, more than anything else, just his 12-6 curveball is one of the best pitches in the history of baseball. Um, it, yeah. An incredible pitch, very bad for your arm, but uh, he was a two-pitch pitcher, which is not a thing that exists, and it, he was a two-pitch pitcher because of that curveball being so deceptive at serving as an off-speed pitch and a platoon pitch and just its own thing of unhittableness. So all that. And he, he probably, the, the best pitchers in Brewer history are probably on the current Brewers team. Um, but prior to that, it's probably Sheets. Uh, Higuera's, I think, Higuera, the only one yeah. you can make a decent case for. All of the guys on the 82, like early 80s teams were kind of, um, you know, pre-sabermetric good pitchers meaning not really good pitchers just guys who racked up wins based on a good offense so yeah it's Higuera and Sheets with a bullet other than people on the team at the moment yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um, on the topic of that curveball it's it's yeah definitely my favorite pitch of all time too and a big reason why I uh, love Ben Sheets so much too and and yeah he was just the the shimmering hope of so many bad brewers teams too and it did really irritate me when he got so much flack for uh you know the criticism was always being hurt once he signed the huge contract which was what like 40 million dollars or something (laughs) like that Mm -hmm. um you know i think part of that is you're always going to have that with the highest played paid player on the team if they're not perfectly healthy and playing like an mvp or cy young but man in retrospect i really wish uh he was treated a little bit better in those days yeah, if you look at those years real quick, um, it's this has always amazed me because the the take on him was starting in 2005 with that contract, 2005 through 2008, four years. Ben Sheets was always hurt. He could never be on the field. Off the top of your head, how many innings do you think he had in those four seasons? 
How about like 800? <laughs> Not quite, but it was 602. Okay. okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he was he missed some time. He did legitimately. He did miss, miss some time, time, but I, I know in one he threw like two thirty seven or something like that. Uh, that would have been two thousand and four. So right before okay. two thirty seven was uh, that year. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. one fifty six, one hundred six, one forty one, and then one ninety eight in two thousand and eight. Like he was out there for the most part. Nowadays, those numbers, everybody would go, "Oh, he was you know a cromulent starter for yeah. <laughs> uh, six hundred innings over four seasons." Like he's averaging one hundred and fifty a year. That's fine that's you don't expect more than that but uh back then it was a reason to uh for some people to hate his guts and that was always unfortunate yeah i guess along this topic of conversation but uh for league-wide luke croy's suitcase is asking with the recent hall of fame announcement uh which brewers are most likely to get in soon so congrats <laughs> to scott Rowland. finally got a third base into the hall of third baseman into the hall of fame but yeah um the, the case for former Brewers not looking too hot unless uh, Gary Sheffield suddenly uh, <laughs> gets some support, but I don't think so. <laughs> kind of surprising, actually. He had his supporters for a while. Like I remember Joe Morgan back before, where Joe Morgan was always very, very pro-Sheffield. I'm actually surprised he's fallen off as much as he has, but I know he's got some right stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's not a lot of former brewers that are looking good that at the moment again that aren't on the team at the moment <laughs> so mm. um it's just it's not a great crop it just isn't everybody flamed out too early yeah i mean the next guy most likely to go in as a brewer would have to be corbin burns right burns yeah i think <laughs> right because he has a cy young as a brewer and is probably going to be here for you know five years though chances are also good that he'll end up going in wearing a different cap because he may, yep. you know, spent eight years with somebody else. So who knows exactly how that would, if it did play out that way, actually probably, honestly, he probably would go in with a different cap if he won, uh, if he ended up going in because he would have to have a really good second act to his career and thirties of his career. So Josh Hader was around too short a time and probably wouldn't, get in just because it's really hard for relievers though i guess he does have kind of the starter pack like where he's at he's on a hall of fame career trajectory it's just really hard for relievers to hold on to that yeah so it's i don't know did did jim edmonds fall off the ballot already Mm -hmm. i think he might have yeah i think he might have already yep uh aramis ramirez will fall off real quick if he hasn't already yeah no, no, and he would go in as a cub anyway, so that's not a he would never, <laughs> yeah, he would go in as a cub. I, yeah, I think it's Burns is like the most likely, and that's it's well, hard to imagine that scenario, yeah. Yep. I mean, to be fair, I don't think the question specified as a brewer, no, it just didn't. which that's brewers. why I was looking for. So I was like, Andrew McCutcheon, like Andrew McCutcheon, there you go. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah, it, it's tough though. You're gonna have to get like one of those random, yes, Andrew McCutcheon probably is the answer. Yeah, or Grinky. I they might go oh, in the yeah. same year too. Yeah, actually that is the if we're just counting a short period of time, because he was pretty good for the Brewers, then Grinky would be the guy because he's gonna go in, I would assume, within a year or two on the ballot. I think mm-hmm. he, he's gonna go pretty fast. He's so. a sixty five war total on fan graphs. Um I is he gonna get is, is there gonna be any controversy on Grinky? Like I know we all love him, but that's I don't not think so. universal. No. <laughs> no, I think no. he's pretty beloved in general. Okay. Yeah. No, I think I think that's fine. Um, yeah, that that'll be tough. I don't I don't see any other brewers getting in anytime soon. 
Next Patreon question this week comes from Archduke Asilatam or Darth Paul. I can't decide. I feel like it's been a while since we've had the Archduke ask a question here. So <laughs> welcome back. Uh, if you have already discussed this and I just missed or forgot, you can skip this question. There has been a lot of talk about the end of the shift and how that will help certain batters. Well, the flip side must be true. Which pitchers will be affected by the end of the shift? So, you know, I this is an interesting way to kind of reverse that question. Um, I guess off the top of my head, like those ground ballers not missing bats too much, Paul. What do you think? So, yes. The, the thing is, there's not a ton of guys left that are like, super reliant on getting ground balls but they're not non-existent either like um I mean, adrian hauser is that kind of guy although wade miley wade miley <laughs> that kind of guy um but the other thing though is it'll probably not the other thing this it ha- has an impact on them uh it will probably have an impact on i would say righties more than lefties just because the uh the the guy standing in right field to take away lefty bats getting singles won't be there anymore and righties face more lefties because of platoons so that generally but honestly i don't really think it'll have that big of an impact uh, it's i think it's going to be pretty negligible in in the the aggregates because um when the shift was happening people would get hits to the other side and and it actually didn't have a huge impact overall that was detectable so i really don't think it'll matter that much even for our couple of ground ball crafty guys that we have yeah like the guy here would be hauser right that would be the one you would worry about because he does put so many balls on the ground batters really do burn the worms for him um, but there was actually an article this week. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, Matthew Trueblood over at Brewer Fanatic wrote up why he thinks the Brewers are going to do a better job dealing with the ending of the shifting than I think a lot of other teams or compared to what maybe people expect. Because one, they were shifting a lot less over the last few years generally. I don't know if you'd caught that, but they had dropped down from being like, fourth in shifts in 2020 to 24th last year and actually 29th in 2021. So they're shifting less in general on, on that side of things anyway. But the other really interesting number he had here was that the Brewers average exit velocity on ground balls, 84.7 was the second lowest in baseball behind only the Dodgers. And you look at like it's the Brewers, Dodgers, and Rays uh, up top here with the Phillies and Braves rounding out the top five. All right. So that really did kind of speak to me like, hmm, that isn't such a like you worry less when guys are hitting the ball less hard on the ground because it's the hard hit balls on the ground that are going to be more of a problem. Um, the softer hit balls on the ground, that is a easier ball to field. And I also think that the Brewers just have a generally pretty high quality defensive infield at this point. So they're going to be able to trot out some really good defensive infields. If that's what they choose to do at various points during this year, Um, they could have some plus to plus plus defensive infields. So I'm just, yeah, not as concerned about this. Like Paul was saying. All right, moving on our next Patreon question. Another one from Mark Pod. Mark Podscarby, easy enough for me to say, uh, asking, with the World Baseball Classic coming up, do we know what Brewers are competing, and how do you feel about Brewers players participating? So I know a couple of days ago, uh, Rowdy Telez said he he's going to go play for Team Mexico. He's got some uh, Mexican lineage there. 
Um, and I know, uh, I think it's Devin Williams is committed to play for Team USA. It looks like Abraham Toro is on Team Canada. And I should mention, too, Luis Urias also playing for Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the list so far, but I, correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I know Willie Adamas and Freddie Peralta also both said they want to play for the Dominican Republic. But also, that's a tough roster to crack. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm missing any others. But uh, I guess, Ryan, your thoughts on the World Baseball Classic and, and Brewers players stepping away from spring camp to uh, participate. So you listed a bunch of hitters there. And that makes me very, very happy or just kind yes. of like, whatever, yeah. don't care. Yeah. Not a problem. Yeah. Um, if it's a pitcher, that is the only time I'm going to get concerned. And even then, I'm not going to get super concerned because I'm assuming that this is all being handled now with a level of professionalism and teams are getting a lot of input into what is happening here. And guys have more of an ability to be able to say, yes, no, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. And that there's going to be some some control over this and you're not going to have managers out there desperate and like overusing your good pitchers early in a season. I'm not as worried about that, but it exists as more of a possibility at least. And you also do worry a little bit about guys coming out on March 5th and just ramping up and throwing their, you know, their hardest pitches and getting that the adrenaline and whatever running through their, their body that would not be something I would want for any pitcher who I had a health concern about. So like Freddie Peralta, keep him the hell away from that. And thankfully it's the Dominican roster. So it's probably less likely that he would, he would end up there. But like if there's a pitcher with health concerns, I don't want him anywhere near this. Other than that, have at it. Yep. Same. It's it, I like the world baseball, baseball classic. It's great. It's fun to watch, but again, yes, uh, pitchers break. So keep them away. All right. On the topic of pitchers, our last Patreon question this week, another one from Jay Google asking, with Corbin Burns being ranked as the number one pitcher on MLB Network, you have to move him now, right? And watch Brewers Twitter burn. Ryan, I feel like this question is specifically for you. Well, so how about you go first? No, I mean, Jay's just, yeah, this is this is full on like trolling at this point. And like, yes, there is an argument to be made that from a... Uh, a best uses of assets standpoint that now is the time to trade Corbin Burns. There is, there is an argument for that. It's also just something that is so problematic from every other perspective uh, that you can imagine that it's not likely to happen. Right? Yep. Like it just, everything else cuts against it. And it, it just not wanting to deal with the PR headaches alone probably would say and you know the fact that they are in line to potentially uh compete not just for if they can get into the postseason they could potentially be uh, one of the tougher teams to to oust given the depth of pitching they have so you always want to give yourself a chance in these situations when you can and so there you go (laughs) i mean will they will they move him will they not we don't know but it's a PR problem, but it might be smart, but who knows? So, um, the, uh, can we talk about the list a little bit? Because yes, the list was, let's. It's uh, weird. Yeah, it's, it's a weird. weird list. I, I would actually like to compliment the list um, because lists are stupid and evil. Apologies to JR. And um, <laughs> they are made 
to drive engagement. And this one is just very well crafted. Burns is a really good person to put at the top. Uh, small market has a Cy Young and not viewed, I think, by a lot of mainstream people as necessarily on the level of some other elite pitchers. Um, and we'll right. get them thinking and looking at numbers and stuff. Um, there are a couple other weird suggestions, or weird rankings on there. Um, it's just a, a good controversy driving list uh, that baseball doesn't always do. Football is great at this. Football is like the best at putting garbage players high on lists just for this purpose. And uh, Burns is not that. He's very good. But I feel like this is defensible, but also controversial. So good work. Well done. Yeah. Just to put a finer point on this, this is the MLB Network top 10 right now list. And it was Mm -hmm. Corbin Burns at one, Verlander two, Carlos Rodon three, Max Scherzer four, Sandy Alcantara five, Shohei Otani six, Max Fried seven, Zach Wheeler eight, Jacob deGrom nine, and Julio Urias ten. Like I feel like Verlander too is also fantastic for creating arguments because he's <laughs> right. he's not, um, but there is enough recent, um, you know, re- recent performance there that you can justify it. And I love Otani at six too because you can argue. You can, there's like ten ways to argue that one as well. It's it's just great all around. Mm-hmm. I think also uh, leaving Garrett Cole off the top ten. Yeah, although yeah. He, he didn't have a huge year last year but uh generally mm-hmm. regarded as one of the best pitchers in baseball I think all the like, comments on it were where's garrett cole what yep <laughs> if you oh, want did if a you want engagement on a list, i'm so sorry i feel so bad I, for you all that's how you get engagement on a on a list right yep, is yep. to leave a yankee off a top 10 list and just watch new york burn so uh yeah kudos on mlb network for creating some off-season content that uh got people talking even though uh, you know, like Paul mentioned, the the NFL Network list goes similarly to this too, right? Like, there's it's always so some bad. stupid I, one. I, yeah, I, would, I want to show about how they make it because I <laughs> I guarantee that some of the discussion is, oh, let's put this here; it'll burn everything down. Like that definitely happens. <laughs> it's it's insane. It's definitely not done in good faith. I want to see the not good faith arguments for people. That yeah, the the director's cut on that would be amazing. Yep. So there you go. All right. Uh, before we go this week, a few more Twitter questions to kind of round things out. Next one comes from Vinny Cornells, also about this, saying, WTF was yeah. that MLB top pitcher starting starting pitchers list. I love Burns, but he's not the best pitcher in the league. Also, as much as I dislike him, Cole didn't even make the list. Curious on your thoughts. So uh, it's, those it's are our trolling. thoughts. Yeah. Whenever you yeah. see a list do that, it's trolling. And uh, it's fun. It's defensible trolling is the best trolling. Uh, you know, trolling where you can be like, yeah, Cy Young, good last year. He is the best pitcher in baseball. Go <laughs> go pound sand. That's good stuff. Well, yeah. so in fairness to them on this, Corbin Burns, if you look at over the last three years, so since the pandemic, uh, is the best pitcher by Fangraph's war in baseball, and it's by more than a win. He has 14.4 war, and Zach Wheeler comes in second at 13.3. I think as far as arguments go, was Wheeler on that list? Who Did they, did they leave off Wheeler or Nola? They they, they, we, left, they left off, off uh, Nola. Yeah. Wheeler's eight. Wheeler's eight, right? Yeah. Wheeler yeah. being at eight is much more of a problem than Burns being at one here, and Nola not being on the list at all, way bigger problem, way 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 bigger problem than Garrett Cole not being on the list. Because over the last three years, Garrett Cole is oh, where's my Fangraphs WAR list again? That was uh, Garrett Cole was ninth. Like okay, he could you could make an argument for him being on there, but he's yeah, he was just barely inside the uh, inside the top ten there. Uh, I think a 
a guy who weirdly is on this list that I really can't account for. I was asking you guys about this. You could guess at 100 names before you'd get Kevin Gaussman as number four on this list with 12.1. So, yeah, it's a it's strange, but I think pitching is so variable now. It is mm-hmm. really so variable that I think that any list like this is going to have weird things about it. And, it, yeah, it's just – it's. Pitchers don't get the bulk uh, innings that they used to, so that's right. also going to be part of the the equation here. Right, absolutely. Yep. But still, it's just, these lists are made to just make people mad, and I hate lists. You're right, Paul. Lists are dumb. Sorry, JR. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, last Twitter question this week. Uh, Marcus S. Horton asking, was listening to Baseball Insiders with former athletic writer for the Brewers, Robert Murray, and he says a player who would fit nicely in Milwaukee on a small one-year contract would be Luke Voigt. Not sure I agree, but wanted to see what you guys had to say. Um, I guess I'm not sure where I see another first baseman fitting in here, but mm-hmm. uh, thoughts on Luke Voigt overall as a maybe another power bat? I kind of like it. He uh, he, he does not fit in at all you're right about that but that that just makes it more likely in my opinion um they love cramming in guys to the roster who don't fit um and you know he's he's okay he he reminds me of a lot of other former first basemen um he is i say this too much he is a bit of a righty masher they could they could use a bit of a righty masher um and uh so i'm i'm down it'd be all right wouldn't cost much yeah, I just I think that there's better ways to utilize the roster than to have Luke Voigt taking up space on it at this point. I just <laughs> I mean, because he's so limited defensively, he's only going to help you at first base and DH. That's there's yeah. the only places you can play him, and you've already got one of those in Rowdy Tellez. So I don't know how much more you can really do that. And really it's I would say it's almost you have two of them because I don't know how much you're really going to want to play uh, Jesse Winker in the field. Though maybe maybe he does end up coming out and, and looking better in that respect. And maybe he spends more time in the field than I'm thinking he's going to right now. But I just don't see the playing time here. And so I would rather have somebody with some more versatility or just wait and see what else comes of this. So it, it's a pass for me. <laughs> The real question is, does he have reverse platoon splits like every brewer does? It is not. He has no ah, platoon splits. That's a bummer. Yeah. All right. Oh, wait, is that true? Hold on a second. Am I backward? I am backward. He does have reverse platoon splits. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, there we go. He absolutely does have reverse platoon splits. God damn it. Well, so in this case, then. I was looking at his modern splits. Hold on a second. Let me. I, I, yeah, career. He has career reverse platoon splits. Yes. <laughs> He hits side side pitching much better than opposite side pitching. Yeah. Why? Why? Okay. He does fit. Now, yes, he's a perfect fit for this. Definitely fits. Yeah. But would you rather have him or would you rather just keep Gaston Hira? Yeah. Like that's whatever. Yeah. I mean, if we already have one of these, so (laughs) we we have that at home. We have this at home. We we have a Gaston Hira at home. Yeah. We have a Luke Point at home. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, yeah. We, we, this is Where are all these guys extra. with reverse platoon splits coming from? Like, <laughs> I don't know, but I I just want to make a spreadsheet now of everyone who has a reverse platoon split and just sign them up for the Brewers. Let's see. Let's get wild. It's and then so start annoying. spamming it to uh, what's his face's Twitter account. 
Who's the guy who says it doesn't tango. exist? Yeah, it's a Tom Tango. Yeah. Just start spamming his Twitter account with, what do you think of this? How does this fit into your paradigm, Tom? It's the new market inefficiency. The Brewers are just going to have a full lineup of reverse platoon splits, and a, Dave Roberts won't know what to do with it. It'll be great. It'll be fun. Wow. Luke Voigt led the league in home runs in the COVID season. Good for you, Luke. Yeah, he did. That was weird. It was like 20, like 23 well, or something. Not weird. It? It's not weird, though, because it was the short season. And yeah. random yeah. weird crap happens in short seasons. It's true. Yeah. It, the rest of the 100 games that should have been played, he probably would have like six or something. Right. He had yeah. a Brian LaHare season, and then the season ended. So yeah. there you go. All right. Well, this is a good note to wrap up on. Thank you for all the questions. A reminder, you get question priority when you become a patron for two bucks a month at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. And you also get a shout out uh, on the podcast when you sign up to become a patron. And holy crap, who do we have as a patron here, Ryan? Uh, somebody who you might be familiar with his work. Uh, we've mentioned him a lot on here and he has signed up. Uh, thank you for doing that, Jonathan Judge. We appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you, Jonathan. Jonathan. Woo! Yeah, you, you have all of our money already. So uh, <laughs> thank you for returning the favor. We're just, we're just exchanging money back and forth. Yeah, at this it's, point. it's just yes. back and forth at this point. No, it's great. Thank you, Jonathan. How the economy works. Yeah, it's it's just basic economics. All right. Uh, and again, before we go this week, we'd like to ask you to leave a review and a rating for this podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, reminder: Paul will read literally anything you write in a review if you give us five stars and. A whole bunch of people took us up on that offer this Three week. Of you. Thank wow. you. Wow. There You're we go. Fantastic. Um, so first we have Enrico Palazzo, who we all know. Um, uh, I'm writing this just to make Paul and then cuts out. Prospects are still just people who aren't dead yet. Even Churio. Drunk LaRusso forever. Ah, drunk LaRusso forever indeed. Thank you, Enrico. Appreciate it. Uh, we also have uh, RGenRNFJ. Um, uh which starts with, I unfollowed cruising for a, I assume, bruising. Uh, this and Brewer's Tailgate are my go-tos for Brewer pod, Brewer's Podcast. Love the knowledge, history, and don't like don't sound like grumpy, entitled fans like on so many other podcasts. Also are realistic, though. Keep it up. Ah, <laughs> so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, and then, uh, lastly, but not least, we have DK6, who, who, whose subject line is Home Base. Uh, I listened to my first episode a few years ago and immediately turned it off when someone referred to the plate as home base. I'm not sure who it was, but my money is on the soccer guy. <laughs> After the steady decline of other Brewers podcasts, I decided to give you guys another shot and have been pleasantly surprised. I am now convinced that this is easily the premier podcast in this segment and will forever be a loyal listener. <laughs> Thank you, TK. Appreciate that. Uh, that. Definitely not somebody we probably know. <laughs> I appreciate all those. And and I'm glad to be a part of uh, the Premier Brewers podcast by no reason other than attrition. Default. So. Default. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's it's like the the 25 year career stat compile. We're like the Rafael Palmero of Brewers podcasts. <laughs> Thank you for all the, yeah, yeah. Just to give you guys a, a heads up, uh, when spring training opens, that is when we traditionally flip to the new season. So we'll be switching to season seven. So this will be season wow, seven wow. of Milwaukee's tailgate. Lucky number up. seven. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, if you had told me that I would still be doing this when we started this in the summer of uh, 2017, when uh, Steve and, and JP and I started it, I would have said that is crazy talk. So I can't <laughs> believe we're 270 episodes in and going strong. And uh, as long as people are happily paying us money to hear our opinions on this stuff, like, yeah, keep it, keep it rolling uh, to a happy uh, 270 more. Or begrudgingly paying us money or leaving us <laughs> reviews. I'll, I'll take right. that too. Yeah, begrudge, begrudge all you want. Just uh, keep that uh, that money spigot flowing. Home sweet, base. Sweet cash. Home base. <laughs> I want to go find it. I wonder who did it. It wasn't me. I wasn't here. No, I probably wasn't here either. It, it's Ryan by default. Well, right. it, the soccer guy back then could have been either me or JP. In fact, it probably yeah, was JP. more likely to be JP because he was even more into soccer at that point than I was. I have since more caught up. So uh, there's that. There is also one interesting thing that we should mention here before we get out of here from the archives issue. Uh, I had to go this week and take out an old episode and edit it and uh, repost it <laughs> because we were on the, the wrong side of Courtney Love's uh, um, <laughs> control of, uh, of the, uh, I guess, the catalog of Nirvana at this point. I don't know, actually, oh. know who controls it. But uh, yeah, we had a, a, an episode titled Demi Royal Tea. And I had to go back and take out uh, the final little clip there. And uh, in so doing, subjected myself to some of the back archives because I was fooling around back there. So I'm like, I might as well listen to some of this stuff. <laughs> oh, and I'm yeah, like, why not? Wow, that was a really different show back then. Like really very different show at that point. So uh, I had fun strolling down memory lane and trying to figure out how to, uh, to get that out of the podcast <laughs> and cut it out so that we wouldn't lose it because... I am a psychotic completist about this stuff. And the idea of there being a missing episode from our archive was just too much for me to handle. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't handle the idea that it would, we would just have the missing thing. So yeah, I changed it up and reposted it. So it's back in there uh, now without uh, the Nirvana outro. Uh, that's a bummer. All right. Thanks, Courtney. Mm -hmm. Appreciate we'll just blame it. Courtney. She gets blamed for everything anyway, so why yeah, not? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Uh, while you're at Apple Podcasts or wherever, going through our, our backlog of uh, the early days, don't forget to hit that subscribe button while you're there. Uh, just make sure you are getting those push alerts every single time we post a new episode. So that'll do it for this week. Uh, lots of good talk this week. Uh, we are getting really close to actual baseball games being played, kind of. Sort of, yep. if you want to consider uh, spring training games, real baseball for a week or so. Uh, but, you know, season's right around the corner. It kind of stuck up on me. And uh, we'll be back here next time on Milwaukee's Tailgate to talk all about it. See you guys. Have a good week.